Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories to entertain you and ourselves a little bit. And we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming. Because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is Act 1 of Vigil, The Great Fire, one of our main house productions. The main house is where we stage ongoing serial stories, with characters and plots that develop and unfold over several productions. Vigil is the story of the outsiders and weirdos who step up to defend their neighbours from monsters and worse after the government cuts their town's official team of paranormal investigators. To tell this story, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. The Great Fire is the seventh Vigil production. We do our best to make sure every production makes sense by itself, but with this one in particular, you'll get a lot more out of it if you've also caught up on Vigil Playtime, and to a lesser extent, Bad Dog and Quarry. Starting now, we'll be releasing a new act of The Great Fire every other week. In the meantime, please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil, a Merely Role Player's main house production. The Great Fire, Act 1 of 5. Please welcome to the stage the players for this main house production, starting with Ellie. Hello, I'm Ellie. I'm playing Percy, the exile. Hello, I'm Strat. I'm playing Briar, the monstrous. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm playing Mick, the mundane. Uh, I'm Chris, and I'm playing Ed Kincaid, the professional. It's been quite some time uh, since we've seen uh, Mick. Mick hasn't been in this since playtime. The first one. Yeah, the very first main house production. The very this will vigil. be the last. <laughs> <laughs> Mick is the alpha and omega, it turns out. Uh, excited to be back? Yeah, yeah, excited to be around a table. Yeah. There weren't well, tables for a long time, so it's nice yeah, to be you, around one. You skipped that whole era. Yeah, yeah. And likewise, Chris, we haven't had you around. We've had you in tourist trap, but we haven't had you around a table for a little while. I'm glad to see real human faces. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's these ones. <laughs> You work with what you got. <laughs> How's everybody feeling today? Are we excited about doing some monster hunting? Yes. I I'm excited because this is the first ever Melee Role Players like, main recording <laughs> or even studio recording that I've ever done with Dave. 
Is it? How has this happened? Yeah, in many years. Many yeah, I was years. thinking about the first one I did, and I was like, I drank loads of Red Bull when I did that. I wouldn't even <laughs> consider Red Bull anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd only done Magna Heads. That's the only one we've yeah. been in at the same time. I wonder if that means that your performance today will be much more tempered and adult. Yeah, they'll be like, who is this? <laughs> Such low energy. <laughs> Mick has matured in... in... <laughs> Five offstage productions. I mean, it's also paired with, you know, 19 months of not sleeping through the night. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to be high energy today. <laughs> the context being we're welcoming you, welcoming you back from uh, parental leave. Yes, yeah, very long parental leave. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting university next year, isn't it? <laughs> well, without further ado, shall we begin this production? Yes. Yes. <laughs> The enthusiasm from half the table, <laughs> confusion from the other half, and that is what I'm expecting from this combination of characters. Yeah. We've, we've sat on these sides of the table for a very specific reason. <laughs> it's the clueless side of the table. <laughs> yeah, Mick and Kincaid don't know anything that's going on, and then Briar and Percy are two of the most clued up people in the series. This is going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's the cool guys versus the nerds, it's fine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Everybody ready to play? Yes. Yes, yes, we are. Over the weekend, the river Brack burst its banks. There was heavy rain upriver and sections of Sheridan, sections of the roads and the parkland and the green are still covered in either running water or, or have become bog. Kincaid. I know exactly where this is starting, I can tell. <laughs> you were supposed to leave town this morning. What were you in town for? Well, twice a year, my mother insists I go and check up on my, uh, my distant cousin, Michael. I don't know why she does this, but, you know, it's, it's easier to just go. And I've often got work to do around here anyway. Uh, so did you find any work to do, or has this just been a pure kind of family visit this time? Uh, I did my perfunctory, uh, go have a cup of tea, ask the, how's your father's, and uh, then went to the pub. So no, no, I have not found any work to do. So yes, you were supposed to be driving back to London this morning, but when we find you, Kincaid, you are standing on the drive of Laneford's B&B, where you usually stay while in Sheridan, next to your Morris Minor. While Stan, uh, one half of the couple who runs the B&B, is standing in the road in his wellies as water runs down the road. He is a tall guy, starting to bald, big glasses, wears a a cardigan and uh, smokes a pipe. And he is standing there with water running past his wellies going, No, the Morris is never going to get through this. I concur, to be honest, I mean... uh, Put this gear in the back. It's sitting very low. It just won't. Look. I, I don't want to try it. You, what you don't want in a Morris is damp in the skirting boards. No, not with the beautiful wood panelling. <laughs> uh, remind us what Kincaid looks like. So, I mean, you could tell he was once like took reasonably good care of himself. He, like he's, I mean, I, I, I guess dad bod is kind of a pretty strong uh, way of uh, putting it. But yeah, it's also also uh, beginning to bald. But like you, you can, you know, you can tell he can sort of handle himself, but he has somewhat let himself go. <laughs> He's mostly suited as as you'd expect a uh, someone working for OFI to sort of be. But it's it's that dishevelled sort of old cop sort of <laughs> look. You know, the tie's not done up. You know, the jacket is perpetually open. 
you know. Just exacerbated by the fact that you're not technically on duty right now. Yeah, but he still feels he needs to sort of look that part. Stan sort of gets a thousand yard stare and looks down the road at the water running down. Mm. I can tell you what it feels like to be trapped in a place. Feel like you're uh, you're always coming back to the same place you ever get that feeling and can just never quite escape it. You know what I mean? I don't even live here and I'd spend more time than I would ever have imagined here. So, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. You notice a couple of things about Stan uh, in this moment. First of all, he's, as he speaks, he's, sort of, he's exhaling clouds of smoke, but the pipe's not actually lit. And second of all, the water around his wellies, it's rushing past, so it's kind of subtle, but the water around his wellies is bubbling and turning to wisps of steam. You're right there, you're looking a bit peaky. And he turns to look at you and without really trying to hide it, like tips the pipe back down to his side, sticks it in his pocket, exhales a big cloud of smoke. You'll sympathise then with the feeling of being stuck in a dead end, knowing you would do anything to get out. And you can see the flicker of flames behind his eyes. Yeah, I just, and I just, um, <laughs> like, unbutton the, uh, the holster. Come on, say, can't, can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. While you're here in town, do me the favour of telling Miss Byron that my patience is running out. And the water around Stan's ankles is really bubbling and steaming now. He's standing in this cloud of mixed steam from the water around him and smoke coming out of his mouth. <laughs> it's true to draw the gun time. In fact, with a, with a sigh, it's always like... <sighs> it's like, okay, you keep your distance now from the motor and all. Stan and I both share an appreciation of vintage things. Rebuilt over many years kept pristine and Stan takes a, a steaming step towards you what he wants there won't be another one another step and have to put you down this vessel's burning out anyway and he takes another step bursting the water into steam this time ah shoot him in the leg <laughs> roll to kick some ass it's, it's, it's... Going to use the cursed tower or go through? The cursed tower's miles away, <laughs> and behind a microphone, I'd have to sort of hug. Yes, so this is going to be <laughs> <laughs> consider that ass kicked. <laughs> that's a that's a powerful two. Sneak eyes. So, it's monster of the week. So we're rolling two six sided dice and adding a stat. The stat for kicks and masses plus tough. We've rolled a two on the it's dice. It's a powerful three. Yeah, uh, that Ooh. is not. I presume that's going to cut it. <laughs> um, Mark experience. <laughs> because no. <laughs> you shoot Stan in the leg and the bullet goes through his flesh and instead of blood coming out, the leg just entirely bursts into flame like his skin was just a shell around a burning fire. And it 
rapidly spreads up his torso as he continues to walk towards you and as you're lining up a second shot lands a now burning hand on your upper arm started so well so glad to be back <laughs> now you're on fire <laughs> am I in water so it's not is a- it it's just not actually ahead. raining, and the drive is raised, so that Morris yeah. is not in water. You are not in I water. I need to, to need to need to find myself yeah. in water. Okay. Uh, so the sleeve of your jacket catches fire, and you take one harm as his burning grip grasps onto your upper arm. He leans close. You can feel the hot, flaming breath on your face. Tell her I'm waiting, and then stand combusts and it's like um, it's like a, a fire collapsing rather than an explosion so he just sort of collapses in on himself into ashes I'm going to wrestle my way out of the jacket yep <laughs> ideally and uh, yeah take a moment take stock of the situation I presume it's just sort of a heap yep it's a, no longer flaming the, just like a, a scorch mark and a the, the pipe is just sitting there scorched in a little pile of ashes. Just a bit of a prod with the old, the old boot there. I'm going to have to talk to someone about this. Mick. Hi. Various bits of Sheridan are flooded. The river's burst its banks. The flood defences have done nothing. Some people's back gardens are underwater. The bottom floors of certain people's houses are pretty damaged. The floodwaters are in the midst of subsiding and we're at that sort of stage where people are assessing the damage and starting to shore up the uh, the most urgent things. As a bricklayer, what are you up to right now? What's your current job? So I think over the weekend, Mick will have been helping out friends and family, like sorting their stuff out. And now he's just sitting there with his phone just ringing constantly, yeah. trying to field when he can do work <laughs> and who he can help and when. because. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to be needing him to pop around and shore up the house and get any water out and that sort of thing. So probably just trying to hide my phone and not listen to it anymore. <laughs> You've left your phone in the cab of the van. Yeah, it's just so, ringing. Yeah, and I can hear it ringing in the background. Yeah, whilst um, I'm yeah in someone's garden, kind of building a little dam at the back to probably one that's near the river, so that it's trying to help them next time. Yeah, it's a it's a bit late for for prevention, but you can mm. you can help. Yeah, if if this happens again, uh, you can get some stuff in place. You're you know you're being offered cups of tea regularly. This mm-hmm. is somebody you've probably done some work for before. Everybody in town knows you. You're a reliable uh, worker. You get to kind of the end of a phase of work and get to the point where you need to like pop back through the house and out to the van for supplies for whatever the next phase is reminders uh, as as mick sort of standing up from the wall and heading back through the house reminders what mick looks like i, th- I think the only thing we established was that he wore glasses was the <laughs> <laughs> um apart from that he looks like a typical old builder you know not old old i think he's but has been know, has got a few miles got, on yeah him. he's got you know his hands are all calloused and you know he's in good shape just from physical work all the time probably be in some overalls at the moment just exactly how you'd imagine a builder. And <laughs> uh, as you sort of throw open the back doors of the van and and climb in to root around and get all of the stuff that you need, uh, how how neat or not neat does Mick keep the back of the van? 
He knows where everything is, okay. but it's not. It looks like yeah. complete chaos in there. But he'd be able to tell you exactly. Oh, well, the paint's down there, and the mm-hmm. the tools are this side. And but it doesn't look tidy at all. As you're climbing in, something catches your eye that you haven't paid much attention to for quite some time. The odd device or part device or whatever you've never really worked out what it was that you discovered in Mrs. Campbell's home when you were chasing down what had happened to your niece Pippa. A weird kind of conglomeration of recycled plastic and ceramic and, and a bit of glass in there as well. It looks like it might be a component of something, but you've never really worked out what it might be. Mm-hmm. And it's just been knocking about in the back of the van ever since then. Just kind of catches your eye as you're uh, loading back up for this next stage of the work. And then the doors of the van shut behind you. Mm-hmm. I bang on the doors. So you turn around and somebody's in the van with you and has shut the doors behind them. It's Charlton Abbott, the lollipop man. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty elderly, he's well retired, wearing his high-vis and his big bottle-bottom glasses uh, that he always wears while shepherding the children across the zebra crossings at the school. And he's in a half-crouch in the back of the van with you, one hand still on the door handle having just pulled the door shut behind him and one hand out palm out to you please Mick just go with it do you want a high five Charlie is that (laughs) the van starts Uh, who's driving it's alright it's just Dennis Dennis is a postman who you know has a route that goes through this area I mean I'm not getting married this isn't a stag is it what's going on (laughs) It's all right, just stay calm and everything will be all right. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty calm, but you have just stolen my van. It's not you that it wants. That's, that's what you need to know. So if you just keep everything very calm, everything's going to be all right. And you start to smell smoke in the back of the van as he's speaking. Um, there's, I mean, there's some flammable stuff in here. Uh, are you okay? All the more reason to keep things calm and cool. We don't want anything becoming inflamed. It's okay. I will sit tight. Alright, lovies, it's me, Matt, your compare. While the players are getting ready for their next scene, why don't you and I take a little flick through the programme? If you're just joining us for this new production, you might not know that we're also running another one in parallel on Instagram. You can find our Instagram at instagram.com slash merelyroleplayers. That production is called The Feed. And it's a video series told through diary room updates from the housemates in a series of Big Brother where not all is as it seems. I'm in it playing a thesp reluctantly making the move to TV. Alexander Pankhurst, who uh, you may know as Graham in Vigil, who you'll have heard in Bad Dog and Playtime. 
is also in it as a disgraced local radio DJ. And we're also joined by some guests from other shows. Fiona from What Am I Rolling, who's guested on Merely Role Players before. Quinn from Monster Hour, another show that did a season of Monster of the Week, though they're currently now playing Absurdia, a game that Quinn themselves designed. Adam from the Snyder's Return podcast, uh, who interviewed me about Lights Out, our stage show, a year or so ago. And Chloe Mascheter, the designer of the Andromeda Award, which we played in a studio production a little while back. For the feed, we're playing the role-playing game Unreal by Josh Fox from Black Armada Games. And we've reached the point where it's becoming undeniable that something is wrong and supernaturally weird in the Big Brother house. Undeniable, that is, to all except my character, Melvin, who is still merrily going about his business thinking he's on a normal series of Big Brother. So follow us on Instagram at Merely Roleplayers to catch all of the updates. And while you're there, while you're catching up on those updates, don't forget to follow all of the other shows that are involved as well. Over the page here at the back of the programme, oh, it looks like there's some ads for those very shows that are involved in the feed. Let's take a closer look at one of those now. Good morning. Afternoon. Nighttime or no time. I'm your host, Sebastian Strange, and this is Somewhere Public Radio. Max was traveling in time and basically fell out. Mercurial, reckless, and very, fuck it, I'll do it myself. She's gonna know that I'm not time-wise from here, walking around with this Y-hander. Max has a really elaborate pocket watch. Which the city council is going to use to spy on you and control your time movements. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Claire Claremont, with her vacant eyes and her violent smile and her very sallow skin. (laughs) What would it be like if you had someone come back from the dead and be Gwyneth Paltrow? I have a womb simulator. Oh. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally on windy nights, I still get flashbacks to my time as a vassal. Eat the heart, Claire. (sighs) Duncan Oliver, investigative, friendly, a little flirty. Mm. He works at the radio station WSOM, Radio Somewhere. This story deserves to be covered. I agree. We should get our best reporters on it. And Duncan kind of looks around. Sebastian looks around. Oh. Citizens of Somewhere, this is a emergency broadcast update. It is advised that everyone please stay off the street. The city council, praise be. The screaming fog. Oh, shit. I don't even refer to them by name. I don't want to give them that kind of power. The flayed beyond, which oh. is generally pretty oh, bad. Oh, no, it sounds horrible. Bus is sentient, bus is alive, bus is forever. A leviathan of steel and tinted glass. Run! Season 2 of Monster Hour Now please return to your seats in the main house. We're about to raise the curtain again for the continuation of Vigil, The Great Fire, Act 1.
at that moment, a cat that has been asleep in the back of Mick's van and has just been having fun going around with Mick, knocking bricks off of walls. Occasionally, he would discover the phone that he thought he'd left in the van right next to him and has to go and put it back in the van. <laughs> and then a few hours later, it's back next to him again for some reason. The cat gets up, turns around in a little circle, and suddenly turns into a small green pixie. Do you need a hand, Mick? Uh, I don't know. Why are you stealing this mortal? <laughs> he is mine! <laughs> the smell of smoke intensifies as Charlton starts breathing more heavily. That's it. I'm going to go and talk to Dennis. And uh, Briar turns around and just walks through the partition into the cab. Says, Dennis, what are you doing? <laughs> Briar, uh, you appear in the cab through the back wall of the cab uh, and find Dennis Grantham, the uh, Sheridan postie, driving the van, looking kind of tentative, like he's not used to it. And there is that pall of smoke in the in the cab as well. Stay out of this, Pixie. You're not Dennis. Of course I am. Look at me. Nah, I recognise that frame. Handbrake turn! Briar is just going to pull on the handbrake. Briar recognises fire in uh, Bird Down the Forest, so they're not giving this thing any time of day, so I think it's basically the plan is just stop them doing what they're trying to do. Give us a roll plus cool to act under pressure. Cool, that's my worst, Dad. Sadly, it would have been a mixed success, but that's a fail. It says, roll seven on the dice, minus one. Minus one. <laughs> Mark experience. Um, Unless you're going to spend luck. Oh, I'll spend some more luck. <laughs> this seems like the episode see? where joy needs to be even more... <laughs> more uh, joy. Pressing. What happens when you spend luck? My, my pure drive, so oh. the urge to be mischievous... Increases. Increases. You've spent luck, so this roll is now a 12. Briar has timed it so that Dennis is turning round. And as he turns, I think the van is just going to flip onto its side. (laughs) And sort of like, just keep on sliding. So it's Dennis side down. Mm -hmm. As that all goes onto its side, Briar is going to turn into something heavy. Let's say there's now a large pig in the cab (laughs) pinning Dennis to the floor. (laughs) And it's just going to slide to a stop and hit uh, a very solid and well-built wall that Mick had put up (laughs) a couple of weeks before. Can it hit one of Mick's mysterious brick sculptures? (laughs) Oh, sorry, one of Brixie's mysterious brick sculptures. Yeah, (laughs) it's a mysterious Brixie uh, in the middle of the roundabout that we were going around, maybe. And that is going to knock the back doors open. Mick... Everything falls off the shelves in the back as the van tips onto its side. Mm-hmm. Uh, cans of paint flying, bricks say, which flying. Is the paint side, which <laughs> is the tool side. <laughs> you fall and Charlton falls and all this chaos and light streams in as the back doors of the van fall open. Having seen the, the device thing on the way in, I'm going to try and just grab that because I feel like I'm drawn to it at the moment. And try and just like almost use the fall mm-hmm. and the chaos as a way of just getting out of the back of the van. I think because Briar succeeded so well at the manoeuvre, mm-hmm. that 
Allow, in fact, yeah, we'll call that a plus one forward. So do act under pressure and add an extra one okay, for okay. Briar's good manoeuvre. Okay, so I roll cool. Yep. I got three no. plus one. <laughs> so I want a four. You grab the, uh, the, the mysterious object. You try to roll elegantly out of the van, like using the momentum of the, of the flip. Mm-hmm. But Charlton seems more alert than a lollipop man in his 70s who's just been in a car accident should be and tackles you into a almost like a wrestling hold Mm -hmm. as you're trying to roll out of the van his body is hot it's Mm. not burning but you can definitely feel it It feels like he's running a really high fever help help (laughs) briar in the cab uh dennis also feels very hot under your pig body Pig leaps through the... <laughs> gracefully. <laughs> gracefully. <laughs> Bumbles again through the partition and just uh, bum rushes head ru- headlong. So Charlton and Mick. Mick are both still inside the van and Charlton is like wrapped around Mick. Yep. You know, in a hold. So yes. you're bum rushing both of them if you're bum rushing anyone. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just full pig charge. Full pig charge, yep. <laughs> I mean, you get experience if this counts as protecting me in some way. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, then roll defend someone or protect someone, I think it's called. Uh, yes. Oh, that's tough. Oh, I'm it good at that. It's plus tough. That's the one I'm good at. Uh, so that's an eight. And mark experience for protecting Mick. Yay! Yay. I'm always the victim. <laughs> <laughs> Help! I think it looks like a very large pig running at two men in the van. Um, there's no pig in the van. Suddenly there's a pig in the van. Suddenly... Pig and two men are out the back of the van, <laughs> and the force of said pig has just separated them. And yeah, Charlton has rolled towards the the, the Brixie. Uh, Mick has rolled the other way, and there's a pig between them, <laughs> doing its very best to look intimidating. <laughs> Briar, you know what would be hilarious right now? Absolutely. Is if you just rabbited and just left Mick here now. <laughs> If you were just like, I've got you out of this. You can deal with the rest of it yourself. <laughs> You're welcome. I think this is a, yeah. I've done my bit. <laughs> I'm going to do this. In fact, this is a good opportunity to experiment with Mick's power and Ooh. what Mick is capable of. So rather than just rabbiting, Briar will just become a, a crow and just hop up onto the top of the Brixie and just look down with interest. <laughs> like your turn. Yeah. I did my pig thing. <laughs> Off you go. I mean, I think I'm just going to run. I d- like, Mick isn't a fighter on his own. He's a... he's kind of just trying to get by all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I just don't want to be here. Uh, I could see this being act under pressure to kind of get away from them. Or if you're really putting some effort into it, I could see this being a no limits. Is Charlton, like, chasing straight away? Uh, he is getting to his feet as mm. you are and still looks intent on capturing you. So maybe make it a no limits thing and let's try and just kind of run through him <laughs> just as fast as I can. American football style, shoulder barge. Beautiful. And away. Give us a roll plus weird. Oh no. <laughs> That's a minus one. That is a nine minus one, so an eight. Um, I do it, but I choose one, uh, take one harm or take a minus one forward. I mean, I feel like the harm kind of makes sense yeah. here, but it's up to you. Yeah, no, that does make sense, because I'm running into a hot lollipop. 
It's not the first time you've been described that way. <laughs> so Mick puts a shoulder down and just charges straight through Charlton. The stress of the car crash seems to have accelerated the flame, fanned the flame within Charlton. Mm. The smoke is building in clouds from his mouth and nose. And you can see some of the skin on his face beginning to blacken and flake uh, as the fire within him grows. You successfully barge through him because though he has this supernatural power inside him, his form is still that of a 70-year-old man. <laughs> so I'm just total the 70-year-old man. Do you think you full-on like flip him over you? Or yeah, I think like he flips bargain. over me, and I think I'm going so fast that I kind of take a few bricks off mm. the wall as I run through as well, off the yeah. off the monolith, and kind of surprise myself in that. Yeah. I'm not expecting that to happen. Yeah, you feel something. It, you haven't felt this for a little while, probably not since you fought the figment sharks, but something is kind of flowing through you. It feels like it's flowing up through you, through the ground and through your feet and filling you up with strength. And you find yourself like running through him almost at the speed the van would go. He flips over your head, does a briar sort of gives you marks out of ten <laughs> and lands heavily on the roundabout, and you are off running. So on this as fast as a van, am I like literally blasting away? You are, I think you're doing a, a solid thirty. <laughs> yeah, I think Briar's actually having to make an effort to go fast enough to keep pace, which is not something that they'd usually have to deal with with mortals. And can I take this opportunity to try and invade, investigate a mystery and the mystery of what uh, mixed power is? Absolutely, go ahead. Sweet. Sharp, right? That's a zero. Plus sharp, yes. Ooh, Ooh that's a nine. Oh. Uh, so you get one question from investigate a mystery. What is being concealed here? Okay. You're observing Mick... Uh, performing a superhuman feat. Are you doing anything else actively to kind of investigate this, or are you just kind of observing and trying to draw conclusions? I think I will be looking for any signs of kind of magical intervention. Mm -hmm. As well as Mick. With your kind of fey sight, you can see kind of flows of magical energy and supernatural things beyond the veil. There are sort of various ley lines running through Sheridan, and as Mick runs, the nearest ley line starts to blaze. What is being concealed here is that it's not just like Mick dug down and like hit a ley line and, and that changed him. Every time he calls on this power... He is drawing from the ley lines around the town. So he, he's maintaining a connection to them. That's super cool. I will say also, uh, ley lines are invisible lines of magical force that run underground through all of England. There are lots of different theories about what they are, why, whether they're natural, whether somebody might have put them there. So there is a kind of deeper mystery behind this as well that may shed some light on exactly, more more precisely what's going on. Can Briar remember a time when that ley line wasn't there? Ooh, interesting question. There have, always, there have been ley lines around since Briar has existed, mm -hmm. but they do shift. Hmm. Okay, interesting. 
Last question to Mick before we end the scene. Any thoughts in your head about where you're running to, or is it just away from these people? Did I, did I manage to grab the thing? You I've did. got the thing with me. I think I'm probably taking it to the smartest people I know, so towards wherever Percy is holed up at the moment. On that note, Percy. Hello. The grounds of the ruined Sheridan Abbey have been hit pretty hard by the flooding. Okay. It's, we've established already that the ruins are in a kind of a hollow, so you're a little bit on the floodplain. Yeah. So in your capacity as caretaker of, yeah. of this site, uh, obviously you don't have to do everything alone, but like, have you called on people? Like, What have you been doing to try and help protect the site from the flood? I was just going to paddleboard my way around and work out what the damage was and and sort of start sorting it myself but Gwyn who keeps a close eye on me probably will have have just noticed that that needs doing and that that I'll need people so I reckon people she's, and sandbags yeah I reckon she's called in the the local national trust people they volunteers. would be totally on it wouldn't yeah, they yeah great so over the weekend you've had this like small army of volunteers mm-hmm. In a complete mad panic, hardly sleeping, trying to like put up all the flood defences to try and save the the ruins. The um, bottom floor of your cottage has had some damage, yeah. but the top is okay. Okay, and it's just getting to the point now where the waters are starting to subside enough that you can relax a little bit. Has that mad panic taken your mind at all, or, or been much of a distraction from the voice in your head? Uh, yes, I think it's been a welcome distraction. Mm-hmm. It's only when I'm very busy that I can ignore it. So I'm sort of strangely sad about the, the water receding. <laughs> so where do we find you taking like a quiet moment as the waters are receding and uh, remind us what Percy looks like? Percy has got long dark hair worn in a side plait. She has made some concessions to modern clothing finds jeans to be much more practical than the skirts she was previously obligated to wear, um, but has kept a, a very Victorian upper half with a tailored jacket, wears her armoured vest at all times, um, and due to the soggy underfoot situation is uh, rocking some riding boots currently. She's actually up in the one remaining turret of the of the, the Abbey's remains, um, which appears to be inaccessible and therefore no one else goes up there, but she's rigged up a rope that she can easily climb up um, and then has got sort of the most important books and papers and things that she's studying um, hidden away up there. The voice, the voice that has been occasionally breaking through into your mind ever since the estate agent Toby burned you with his hand, speaks to you some more. Miss Byron. As I've been saying, our appointment is overdue. Do you not think? As I keep saying, it's Muz Byron. And, and I, I mean, you, you haven't given me any reason to take up this appointment with you, really. So, have you got anything new to say? I remain offended by this. I sent my calling card the moment you arrived in this time period. And nearly a year has passed since then, and still you have not called. I feel neglected, Ms. Byron. What happened to good old-fashioned letter writing? That's what I want to know. Would have been much more efficient if you'd put it in writing, and then left me to think about it at my leisure. 
instead of invading my space, the people around me. Your continued neglect of our correspondence forced me to this situation. I hoped you would act of your own volition. I hoped that this would not be necessary, but it seems that your hand must be forced or it will not move at all. Fine. Restate your terms. Find me. Come to where I am. And we will talk specifics, but... I offer an undoing of the destruction and the death that I have caused. A rolling back of this awful timeline. Can you truly say that this is not something that would appeal to you? I cannot. Briar, you find, uh, um, I'm trying to remember his last name, I have got it somewhere. Tennis, is it? <laughs> that it's, would be... Uh, Dennis, po- Dennis, Dennis Posty, right? That's <laughs> Dennis Letter. We, we, <laughs> we gave him the last name. That's the name we can eventually establish. <laughs>